page 
256. 256.
wasn't really sure whether or not we would have enough time this evening to uh, preach or not. 
I always want to be prepared if there is time, but also understand this, I don't want to take more time than what I should. And so uh, with that tonight, we will go to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, and if you would, we'll stand and start reading in verse 33. The title thought tonight is, Who Are We Really? I kind of concluded with a few things this morning pertaining to this uh, message, and that is, you know, we are not who we are inside unless we are the very same outside the church. In the day, you know, if we stop to think about it, if we're different in the church than we are outside the church, outside is who we really are. And we need to make sure that they are one in the same. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 says, Either make the tree good and his fruits good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruits corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruits. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasures of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasures bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that a man shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Father, this evening I thank you, Lord, and I ask you, Father, help me for the short time we have, dear God, to deliver this message, Father, the way you would have it to be done. In Jesus' name I pray, and amen. Amen. You may be seated this evening. I will try my best not to be long-winded, but I just uh, this is something that uh, I guess you could say this was the original thought uh, uh, this morning that I thought that we would be preaching on, and then we found out that we wasn't going to preach that. We would do what the Lord said. Uh, but just to give you an idea and a thought about this, of uh, something that has been going on for a long time, right? We come to church, we get in the house of God, and we have a perception of who we are in the house of God. You see me, I see you, and that's the perception of who we are. The problem is, though, a lot of times when we go outside the church door and we go around to other folks who are not of the church, who don't come to church, uh, who are not of the body of the church, uh, there might be a different deed or action, a way that we talk, the way that we act, the things that we think. And so, you know, that is, I would say tonight, just to be very careful, that is who we really are. The influence that we have of, of Christ is not inside the church body and the church building inside here as much as it is outside there. You've heard the old saying, if that's what a Christian is, I don't want to be one. Well, they're, I'm just as good as they are. I mean, because look at what they do and look what I do. Can I tell you tonight, uh, there is a very big separation tonight of the world and the church. And it's getting to the point to where if you act like the church and you act like Jesus acts like, when you get outside in the world, they're no longer saying, well, you know what, I'm just as good as they are. They're doing the same thing that I'm doing. If you're really setting yourself aside and doing what God would have you to do, you're starting to find that people don't like you so much. They don't talk to you so much. There's becoming a division, and Jesus said there would be a division. It's not 
not going to be easy to get along inside of this world, especially if our speech outside the church house matches our speech inside the church house when we're giving God glory and we're saying we got to do what God would have us to do. we got to be who God would have us to be. We need to act like Christians. The Bible said, James said, that if you do not do that, you're like a man beholding yourself in an image and you walk away and you forget what manner of person you are. Now, I'll be honest with you. There's a lot of people just like that. You would not know they go to church unless they tell you, and then you go, wow, what kind of church do you go to? Because that wouldn't be tolerated in mine. It's like I've said before. You know, I, I know people who, who, I mean, just let's just say this, they're not living close to the Lord, and yet they are the superstar in their church. It doesn't make any sense to me. But people perceive only what's going on by what they see inside the church. You and I see that. But who we really are is when we are away from those around us in the church. Is Christ really Christ in your life when you're outside the doors? When you're driving down the road, as I said. When you're in the store. When you're at home. When you're at a restaurant. Uh, it, when you're by yourself. Or when you're around others who do not know God, who are you? If you go back over to the book of 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Start in verse 1. It said, this is the second epistle, beloved, that I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by remembrance that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandments of the apostles of the Lord Jesus, of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of the coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For these they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were, of old in the earth, standing out of the waters and in the waters, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. As some men count slackness, but as long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, I want you to understand, why did you read all of those verses? Look at what he said. He said that we need to stir up our pure minds by way of remembrance. We need to remember the words that have been spoken. We need to understand that people today will say he hasn't come back yet. He ain't going to be coming back. Or they'll say it's just like it always was. And the Bible says, as in the days of Noah's hell shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And I know for a fact, church, we're getting so close to that, we don't even realize how close we are to that very nature and thought process of men to where now they don't even believe the Scriptures any longer, let alone heed to them and fear them any longer, but yet despise them 
to the point that they want to just ignore it and call you and I senile and crazy if we believe it. And this is another thing. They will mock the return of Christ and not even believe that it's going to happen because it didn't happen already. Aren't you glad tonight to know that he didn't come back while you still had lost loved ones and friends? I mean, just stop to think about it. We got an opportunity to pray for them. But he said that the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, and also the earth and the works therein shall be burned up, seeing then that these things shall be dissolved. Look at the question. What manner of persons? Are you to be in all holiness or on all, all holy conversation and godliness? So the question is, is what kind of person are you supposed to be? Because that's what he just said. Seeing then that these things shall be dissolved, it's coming to pass, judgment's going to happen. What manner of persons ought you to be? Are you going to be who you are in the church around people who, who would say to you if you said something you shouldn't say or, or acted certain that's not right or they would give you that look and you would know that you just crossed the line, you stepped off into the deep side of things. And I'm not talking about, uh, you know what, people don't always agree with everything somebody says. I'm talking about doing stuff that's ungodly, being ungodly like, not setting the example, not being lying, not talking, if you was to think about in the church you're going to do that and so or you're not going to do that you're going to be who you ought to be in the church but but what manner of person ought you to be well you ought to be outside what you are inside because what you are inside comes to the outside remember what he said this morning from the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh what's really going on in your life is what's going to be coming out of your mouth and it's going to also show up in the actions and the deeds that you do so that people will either say to you, they are a Christian and I don't like it. Or they're going to say, you know what, don't worry about them. They ain't got nobody to bother. You ever thought about a powerless Christian? Brother Ernie, what's a powerless Christian? I'm glad you asked. A powerless Christian is one who knows but does not do. That's powerless. They know to do good, but they don't do good. They know they should abstain, but they don't abstain. They know they shouldn't talk that way, but they go ahead and talk that way. They know they shouldn't act that way, but they go ahead and act that way. They got no power of God inside their life. The, the word of God has no power over their life. In other words, to them, the Bible is just another book. It might as well have been a love story or a, or a horror story or, or a murder story or some other type of novel or mystery, but it, it does not have any power. The Word of God has none effect in their lives. They just look at it and they read it and they go on. There's nothing there for them. But can, you tell, tell, can I tell you tonight, my Bible says the Word of God is powerful. And if you allow Jesus Christ in your life and you really have Jesus down in your heart, that word is powerful in your life. And it comes out. But too many times we look at it as if it's nothing. If you go back over to 1 Peter chapter 4. Excuse me. Start there in verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which shall try you, 
as though some strange things happened unto you. Now, now when Christians get into trials, we, we begin to bemoan and groan and murmur. And yet, the Bible says, don't think it's strange when you begin to be tried. If you are a child of God, you are going to be tried. If you're not being tried, you better look at where you're at. He said, but rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Why? Because I was counted to suffer because of my Christian faith, my stance for the Lord. I, I, I will say this, and I will be very careful. There was somebody who was told that they, uh, they've got a, a uh, they put it a he, she, and, and stuff, and they said, you know, we got to be careful what we say. Their work condones that, and you got to be careful how you put that. And I'm just telling you right now, if I had to put up with that at my work, I would never even address that person. Because there ain't no way I'm calling a he a she if he's a he. And I ain't calling a she a he if she's a she. And I ain't going Mr. and Mrs. It's just that simple. But we're living in a world to where today, if you don't give in to the devil and the things of the devil, then, then you can get fired from your job. And I'm just telling you right now, if I get fired from my job, you're going to have to put up with me a whole lot. I'm just going to move me and Netta down here. We'll sleep over in that room with the fallen sun, rooftops out of it. You know? When you stop to look at it, church, look at what, what manner of person are we? You know, if we stood up, they wouldn't put up with these things. Things wouldn't be going on like this. It wouldn't be acceptable. It wouldn't be normal. It wouldn't be one of those things. Because why? Because there's enough people who are supposed to be Christians who would say, I, I don't believe in that. Bible doesn't teach that. But guess what? Because they in a church don't mean the church is in them. Who are they really? Go on down just a few more. He said, but let none of you suffer as a murmurer, or murderer rather. I, I, I mispronounced that word, but can I tell you, you ought not be a murmurer either. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other man's matters. If we'd keep our nose out of some things and put it back in the Bible, we'd be better off. Be honest with you. Going on. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? If you stop to think about it, look at that. Yet if a man suffer as a, cry, as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Don't hold your head down because you stood up for the Lord. Instead, go ahead and hold your head up. But judgment's coming. Where does it start? At the house of God. God says, what have you done with my word? Who are you really versus who you claim to be? I, I was thinking about this this morning, and, and I shared this with you a few weeks ago about how that the Bible in the Old Testament said the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, 
And, and another way down here this morning, I couldn't get past this. And all of a sudden, I started thinking about all the, uh, and, and I can't, I, I won't even pretend to know all the names. But I thought about this, about the God of Abraham, Jacob and Isaac. What about the God of Enoch? The God of Noah? The God of Hannah? The God of Sarah? I mean, just stop to think about God of Samuel, God of David. And you just start going, the God of Daniel, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the God of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the God of Saul, who become Paul, the God of Peter. I mean, just think, the God of Stephen. These men and women, they believed God, they trusted God, they followed God. And look at where they are in the Bible. The God of Mary and Martha, the God of Elizabeth. I mean, just think about the God of Jonah, the God of Job. You say, Jonah, Jonah, run. That's right, Jonah, run. Realized God was more powerful and started the other way. We start to think about this church. Would anybody think that your God or my God has any power in our lives? Let alone to do anything to change anybody else's life? I mean, it's just one of those things that we really ought to think about tonight. If we're going to suffer as a Christian, that means we've, we've done enough in our lives. We've shown Jesus. We've stood up for Jesus. And when man come against us, we went ahead and stood the stronger for Jesus. We didn't back down. We weren't ashamed. They had saved. You know, you may not have thought it, but boy, when push come to shove, they stood with God. Just think about that this evening. Judgment's going to start in the house of God. And if it starts with us, where shall the end of them be that obey not the gospel of God? Why is Romans 1.16 so vitally important? And, and, and I know that I'm a, a beat the dead horse, but, but can I tell you? In your King James, it's vitally important because it says this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It doesn't end with I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Your other versions do. For it is the power of God. How do I know to stand? How do I know to walk? How do I know to talk? How do I know to live? By reading what thus saith the word of God. And it is the power of of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the just shall live by faith. How do I know? Because as I said earlier, the power of the word of God is inside of me. And it does something that nothing else can do. Isaiah chapter 29 verse 13. Wherefore the Lord said, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth. With their lips do honor me, but they, but look at this, but have removed their hearts far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. It doesn't even carry any weight. Now, now that's, that's something hard to think about. Because here's the deal. If the fear of God is in you and I, it should be in there, not because somebody scared you, but because the word of God abides in your life. And therefore, now you understand the power and the importance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The judgment that comes after our death is not one that simply comes like this. Well, you did pretty good, so I'll let you in. 
you had a good day here and there. I know things were a little rough, but, in, you know, all, all in all, you, you tried your best. You know what we're teaching our kids today by giving them trophies of participation? That very philosophy. Well, you tried. You know, when you're one and two and three and four and five, I can kind of see that a little bit. You know, you want to encourage them, right? But at some point in time, you got to teach them that not everybody gets a trophy every time. Sometimes there are some losers. It doesn't mean you're bad. It just meant you didn't get enough points to win. And you got to try harder. And you put in your best. And in the end, even if you don't win, if you've done your best, hey, that's better than giving up. But in Jesus, if you do your best, you do win. And, and let me just say it this way, church. If you never learn how to lose, you'll never know how to win. I read the back of the book, and we don't win. He does. And I want to be on his side because he's on the winning side. He, or he is the winning side. And we say that all the time. I've read the back of the book, and we win. I've read the back of the book. He wins. And those who put their faith and trust in him win because he wins. He's the one who throws the devil into hell. He's the one who brings up death and hell and judges them and casts them into the lake of fire. And he's the one who tells you and I whether to come in or get out. He wins. I want to be on the winning side. Matthew 5, 8 says the same thing in a different way. He says, these people draw nigh unto me with their mouth. And honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. If you think about it this way, look what he said. But have removed, Isaiah said, had removed their hearts far from me. They chose to walk that way. Mark 7, 6, he answered and said unto them, Well, Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. Now I'm going to tell you, Jesus, he get more trouble than any preacher I know. Because preachers today say, well, I can't say that because I don't want to offend nobody. Can I tell you, if you're a hypocrite, you're a hypocrite, and it don't matter what I say. Whether I leave it out or I don't leave it out. If you're not what you are in here, out there, and you're not out there what you are in here, you're a hypocrite. Either be on God's side or be off God's side, but don't play both sides. It ain't going to work that way. Nobody walking down the straddled fence is going to get into heaven. Why? The fence don't lead you in. The fence leads you to the side of the gate, but not inside the gate. For straight is the way, and there is the gate that leadeth unto what? Eternal life. Life everlasting. Leadeth unto the glory of God. It's the place that goes. we go home. And, and I'm just telling you not to be too ornery about it. But listen to me carefully. If you walk down the straddling side of the fence when you get there, you're going to run into a fence post. You're not getting in. It's real simple. So he said and answered them in Mark 7, 6. Will Isaiah said, prophesied of you. As it is written, these people, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart's far from me. And if you go over to Romans chapter 3, and I won't read the whole thing to you tonight. I told you I tried it not to be long-winded. But, but if you start back there and you begin reading in verse 1, it just stop to think about this. What advantage hath the Jew, or what advantage hath the uncircumcision? Much every way, chiefly because... Unto them were committed the oracles of God. In other words, they started out 
with the promises of God. They started out with the word of God. They started out with the covenant of God. Hey, but here's the problem. They did not believe it, secure it, hold to it, never deny it. And yet that's why we've got Romans chapter 11. And then he goes on. This is jump down there. He said, uh, but if but if our unrighteousness commend the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God's unright is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man, God forbid. For then how shall God judge the world? He's going to judge it. For if the truth of God hath more abound through my life unto his glory, why yet am I also judged a sinner? And Paul said, why is it that if I'm lying to you, I'm judged as one? He was telling the truth. And they were saying he wasn't. The truth of God. Church, can I tell you, this world tells us that the truth of God is a lie. That God does not care. That God loves everybody. God accepts everybody just as they are. You know, I, I like that song, Just As I Am, I Come. But guess what? I come as I am, but if I accept Him, I leave different. I don't come as I am and leave as I am. I come a lost, undone, no good, dirty, rotten, scoundrel, sinner. But I should leave a newborn again believer in Christ Jesus. A man, the Bible says, all things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Why? Because now I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. I may look the same when I get up as far as my physical character goes. But I should look different. Because you ought to see the presence of God in my life. Go down there. He said this. As it is written, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And we understand that. There is none that understand that. There is none that seeketh after God. We understand that. Can I tell you tonight, though? That ought not be. He said, their throat is an open sepulcher. Their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. You know, there's a scripture, and I didn't use it this morning, talking about shepherds, but God said in his word that there were shepherds that scattered the sheep. There were shepherds that, that taught the sheep the wrong things. They were destroyers instead of gatherers. And then he goes, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their path. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Can, can I tell you something tonight, church? That is a trouble person. But I will say this. They are lining the churches today. He goes on. He says, Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth uh, may be stopped and all the world may be guilty before God. And that is true. Without Jesus Christ, we are absolutely in trouble. We cannot fulfill the law. We cannot perfect ourselves in the law because we cannot obey that way. We need Jesus. But look at verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, they are, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. But the law is knowledge of sin. For by the law is knowledge of sin. And because I know my sin, 
I realize I need Jesus, but I cannot have Jesus and live in my sin. 1 Corinthians 15.33, Be not deceived, evil communications corrupt good manners. Say, Brother Ernie, why are you talking about communications and talk and speech and stuff? Because I'm going to tell you something. It's easy to say, John 3.16 in the church, it's another thing to live it outside. We started off in Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. You can go over to Matthew chapter 7. We'll end here. Just a few verses of scripture. He's talking about the same thing in, in this passage as he was earlier. But look at what he says. Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, or verse 15. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. All they're here to do is devour what you have and give you nothing. I don't want what you have unless you have Jesus. I want you to share with me. If you have knowledge of the word of God, share with me. I'm not going to take it from you. I'm not going to steal it. But can I tell you this? I, I don't want to, If you don't want to love the Lord, serve the Lord, and go the way of the Lord, then I don't want that. I want to change your mind about that. He said, You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns and figs of thistles? Can I tell you, we will not produce a change of life and we will not see people saved if we are trying to live a life of thorns and figure we're going to get grapes. It does not happen that way. The sincerity of our lives towards God will determine how this church progresses in its future of the things of God. As I shared this afternoon, I believe with all of my heart the church is coming to a place, just our church, but other churches, but our church specifically in this address here, that we're coming to the place that we can either continue doing what we're doing until we can no longer do, or we can start seeking God the harder, the more, and see what God wants to do with us so that the future the church will be in place in His hands and not in the complacency of our hands I honestly believe I, I believe with all of my heart that God has made me come and, and I say made me come God has let me come but, but God has brought me to this point to say that we've got to choose what we're doing and I believe with all of my heart, God wants us to choose him and seek him hard. Why, Brother Ernie? Because I've been here 16 plus years, and it seems like yesterday, and I don't see a way out. What do you mean a way out? I've not asked God to remove me, and I've not asked God to remove you. I've asked God to get us closer together, closer to him. My wife would tell you I'm burdened for full-time ministry. And I'm not looking for it in, in easy street. That's what I said, church. I'm, I'll be honest with you. If I lost my job tomorrow, I would tell my kids, you're going to help pay the bills at the house or we're going to sell the house. And if we sell the house, I've got more than enough money to live the rest of my time, as far as I know right now, to the time of retirement. 
and when I get to retirement, I've got a pretty good amount of money there unless the government takes it away. That'll give me a few more years. And I might make it to 65. But can I tell you, if we keep choosing to do nothing, we'll have nothing. We've got to do some things. I'm asking some brothers to pray with me and help me. You say, well, Brother Ernie, you hadn't said anything to me specifically. No, but I just did, didn't I? I know you love me. I know you care for the church. I know you pray for things. But, but honest and truly, men of God and, and ladies, I'm not shortcoming you, but can I tell you something? When Moses was on the mountain, he had two men behind him, beside him holding his hands up. You know what the ladies were doing while their men were in battle? They were praying. They'd come out of battle safe and sound. That's how you get prayer warriors. I'm just telling you, church, we got to make a decision. Who are we really going to be? Who are we really going to be? Because who we really are is what will influence what goes on inside this church. And will what you say, Brother Arnie, you should have preached this somewhere else. Can I just tell you this? If we start with what little we've got right here, we can influence the rest. I see a lot of folks who need some influence. And I'll be honest with you. I, I'm not perfect. But I love God. And I love this church. And I'm not going to just lie down and let it go down. It's not in me. It's not my choice. I choose, and, and I know my wife stands with me, I choose to do everything I can to make sure that God's love is, is told to you, you preach the truth, and, and when we get done, and it's all said and done, that we've done everything that we could possibly do within ourselves along with God. And when I say within ourselves, in other words, not letting God be shortchanged in any way. And if then God decides to close it up and send us home, I can live with that because it'll go out, it'll be a peaceful thing. But if we go down complacently, I'm just going to tell you, you're going to have one mean preacher for the next whatever years it takes to get there. Because I'm not willing to do that. Who are we really? That will determine the future of the body of Christ in this building. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, tonight I thank you, Lord, for your love and mercy. I thank you, dear God, for the ability to be here this evening for those that's come out. And dear God, we ask you tonight that you would just anoint and touch, Father. Lord, maybe somebody listening online tonight, watching at home, dear God, somehow, some way, this has influenced them, Lord. And Father, they see, Lord, what we need, what they need. Dear God, I pray this evening, Father, that we are here. We'll stand strong and firm for you. Lord, if we have weakness, dear God, I pray that thy word will give us strength. If we have fear, dear God, that thy word will give us strength. Lord, we'll understand that to fear you is far better than to fear man. But Lord, I just ask you this evening, Father, help me 
to do your will, help me to praise your name. Dear God, help me to be the leader I need to be. But Father, I pray help us to be the church we need to be for thy name's sake. In Jesus' name we ask and we pray these things. In Christ's name, and amen, and amen. Anything 